0: Welcome to the sag Foundation's Conversations Podcast. The sag Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sag That's www.sagafter.foundation dot foundation also subscribe to our youtube channel and follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at seg found thanks and enjoy the conversation
1: how's everybody are you excited my god victor Garber, right thank you melissa and good afternoon my guest began his career as a popular folk singer in his native canada He has gone on to become one of the most sought after actors working effortlessly on stage, screen, and television. He starred in the legendary Toronto production of the musical Godspell, opposite the likes of, yes, Andrea Martin, Gilda Radner, Martin Short, and Eugene Levy, before reprising his role of Jesus in the coveted film version. On the New York stage, he has given us many memorable performances in such shows as, listen to this list, Death Trap, Lend Me a Tenor, Art, Arcadia, Damn Yankees, Little Me, Present Laughter, They're Playing Our Song, The Shadow Box, and three Stephen Sondheim musicals, Sweeney Todd, Assassins, and Follies. On the big screen, he has appeared in the Oscar-winning films Argo and James Cameron's iconic film Titanic, along with The First Wives Club, Legally Blonde, Sleepless in Seattle. You can clap all you want. I love these films, right? <laughs> Milk, Selfless, and Sicario. On television, he is known to millions of fans as Jack Bristow on Alias. Alias fans? <laughs> Opposite Jennifer Garner, and most recently as Dr. Martin Stein on both The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, Yeah. Other television work include his Emmy-nominated turns on Frasier, Will & Grace, and as Sid Luft in Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadow. Other TV highlights include Eli Stone, Liberty of the American Revolution, External Affairs, Web Therapy, Power, Deception, Damages, Glee, and three TV musicals, Annie, Rodgers and Hammerstein, Cinderella, and The Music Man. Somebody of work, right? And there's much more than that. He works passionately with Beyond Type One, a charity focusing on raising awareness about type one diabetes. And now he is back on Broadway, wowing audiences eight times a week as Horace van de Gelder opposite Bernadette Peters in the hit revival of Hello Dolly. Please welcome Victor Garber.
2: Thank you. Hello. Boy, I'd, I'd like to take that and read it myself. It's See?
1: so, it's so uh, oh, encouraging, really. Totally. <laughs> Actors are always worried. I've had many stars sit here and they'd be like, "When I finish a job, I always think I'm never getting one again." Do you still have that? No. Did you ever have that? I don't. No, I don't. And it's, I, you yeah. know, it's sort of. Uh, I know what you
2: mean because yeah. most of my friends say that, and I always think. Something will happen yeah. something will turn up i mean i I, uh, I mean I may not be i'm, I'm just hoping it 's a job I want to do you know because there's often it's like well, i can 't do that
1: well first off, welcome back to Broadway. How does thank it you. feel
2: Yes oh, thank hello
1: Dolly. Uh, it feels um,
2: this this honestly came out of the blue i was yeah. uh, uh, I was doing uh my last little bit on Legends of Tomorrow in Vancouver, and I was leaving the show, and I didn't know what I was gonna do, but I knew I was homesick for New York because I was in Vancouver for a long time, and uh, I just wanted to come home, and I just wanted to be back. And I didn't, and I thought, I hadn't done a play for, since Present Laughter, which was, uh, I think, eight years ago or nine years ago. I came, no, no concept of time. But it was a long time ago, and I thought, will I, would I, I, I probably would love to go back to the theater, but would I still be able to do it? I, that I did question. Would I? Would, will I remember, be able to remember the lines? Will I be too scared? Because the longer you stay away from something, you know, it's uh, it's daunting, and the idea of like getting in front of an audience and and uh, doing something was scary to me, and and so I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I and then I read a couple of plays, and that where people were interested, and I thought, oh, that that maybe that would. Oh. And I really didn't know, and then suddenly this call came. I thought, oh, well, this is the universe giving me this gift. Yeah. Uh, it really feels like that, and it still does. Because uh, I-, I have to say, the first week of previews, the first time we just, I literally, I went over the lyrics for the first song, almost to the point of when I walked on stage. I was so <laughs> scared that I would forget the lyric right, right in the middle of the song, you know? And, Fortunately, I haven't, yeah, but um, I'm still, you know, like, okay. I, I, I go over the lyrics to both songs every night. Yeah, yeah I just, you know, but, but I, I, I also knew that um, when I got on, in the first day of rehearsal, and it was just me and Bernadette, really, and Jerry's acts, the director and a couple of the assistants and um, choreographer. And I thought, oh, this is, oh, I remember this feeling. This is what I do. And I, I'd forgotten that, and i because you know when I left the, when I left to go do all these television things, I'd been doing so many plays that I was also tired yeah. <clears throat> of that. So it's it's like anything, you know, you 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 have, to, um, you have to you have to take breaks, and I'm I'm very glad I'm back.
1: So when you knew you were going back into Hello Dolly, did you have a fear of singing again? Yes. <laughs> I always
2: have a fear of singing. I have a fear of singing tonight. <laughs> As you can hear, I've been dealing with this these allergies we were talking about. Which ones upstairs? I don't know what's going on, and yeah. it's too boring, and we're not even going to discuss it. <laughs> However, I, I, <clears throat> it's a phlegm thing, <laughs> uh, and it's just just driving me nuts. Yeah. So uh, 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 I'm grateful if I can. I'm just grateful when I can get through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: How much fun is it playing Horace Vandegelder?
2: It's it's a lot of fun. I. <laughs> I, I, I I didn't really know. I mean, I hadn't seen the show. Uh, once I knew I was doing it, I came... David is a good friend of mine, but I was in Vancouver, and I, I of course, you know, you couldn't get a ticket when it opened with Bette and David. And uh, so, but when I got back, uh, a few, about six weeks before rehearsals, I got to see it. And uh, I was just blown away by the production, uh, by them. They were spectacular. And uh, I, I was... Uh, I just couldn't believe I was going to have this opportunity. And also, it's not a killer role. Like, I can, I, I, you, you there are breaks. She, Bernadette has the, you know, she's never stops. But, but Horace, oh, I can sit down for 10 minutes and, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't smoke, but, but that's the cliche. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, I, so, so I was grateful that it wasn't going to be, you know, I didn't have to carry it.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> what is wrong with my boy? It's everybody's and we were talking yeah. upstairs.
2: Yeah. Well, hopefully by...
1: 8 o'clock, I'll be
2: back. (laughs) Um, So, no, and I, I, it's, um, Bernadette and I knew each other, you know, had known each other for years and uh, had never really worked together except in Cinderella, we had like a, we crossed, in the palace scene, we like crossed paths, but we didn't have anything to do together. (laughs) But now we do. Now we are are joined at the hip and it's, um, you know, it's a joy to be with her.
1: Yeah. So, I was going to really. ask you, what is it like working with her? One of the greatest stars we have. So nice. One of the loveliest people you'll ever meet, besides her talent.
2: Yeah. She's she's yeah. Uh, everything you hope and more. She's um, she's amazing. She's uh, she's inspiring, because she she is always working, making something better, trying to you know coming up with something new and. Uh, <clears throat> and we're very much on the same page about how we want to do the show and our, our belief in what this is about and the relationship. And and so it's been a joy. And, and Jerry Zaks, who I've worked with many times, um, this is one of the best things I've done with him, I think. I feel like he sort of guided me in, in a very generous way, never never imposed anything yeah. from the show that was there. I mean, obviously, you know, it's Hello, Dolly. So, so it's, it's, there are requirements, but in terms of the interpretation, it was very much our own journey.
1: Because I love that, because I, w- I was going to ask you, what's it like stepping into a, an already existing production or train that's running down the track, and it's the two stars that go in?
2: Well, I, I think it's easier, I mean, yeah. in, in, in the way we, and also, the, the, Scott Rudin, the producer, they, they were so generous with the time, yeah. and the, the, they, they really went all out to make us feel comfortable. And uh, that made a huge difference, you know? So th- I remember the first uh, first put-in, one of the stage guys said, well, I've never seen a put-in like this. You know, it's like everybody, we, we, they closed down the show for five days and, and we had a tech, full tech rehearsals in the theater, which is unheard of, really.
1: Never happens. Never
2: happens. And, and all, and the entire cast was there. So, so really, they were, it was sort of like, it was like a normal production. With, with technical rehearsals, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. Jerry Zachs, you were talking about him, one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. What makes him such a great director and sought after director to work with?
2: He's really smart.
1: Yeah. He's really funny.
2: He knows, um, and he knows, he knows what he wants, you yeah. know? Sometimes it's not always the same thing, you know, for an actor, but, but uh, for me, I have loved everything I've done with him, which the first thing was Wenceslas Square, at the Public Theater, which was a Larry Shue play that was sort of uh, about the Prague Spring, and, and it was a, it's, a, it's a beautiful play. And I play like f- five different people, I think. And, and that was, we just had this great time, and then Lend Me a Tenor and then Assassins. Um, um, so he's been, uh, you know, we, we just fit very well. He's, um, he just has a great eye. You know, I mean, this production, when, when you see it, it is so beautifully done. It's, it's, it's everything you want it to be and more,
1: you know? Yeah, just a brilliant director. I'd like to go back to the beginning. Growing up, where did your love for performing begin, and what were your earliest creative outlets?
2: Huh, you know, it, it was so long ago. But I, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, I do remember, I actually do remember, my mom used to, um, we, had a ch- we had a theater in London, Ontario, where I was born, and it was an amateur theater that had sort of professional standards. And these people came from England, uh, a husband and wife, and they, started, they They sort of took over the theater when I was very young. And my mother had a television show in those days. She was a, a sort of a, who, who would she be? Like, she, she at home with Hope Garber. That was yeah. the name of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she interviewed you know, people from the local celebrities and people who were uh, you know new in town. And so she interviewed this, this man, Peter Deering, and he was starting uh, this new program at the London Little Theatre, uh, for, for children's theatre program. So, you know, I knew from a very early age that that's what I wanted to do. I just knew, because my mom was a singer, and I, and I was a singer, and, and uh, just, that's, I, I was just attracted to that. And we, she used to play Broadway show albums all the time. That's what I grew up listening to, and, and I, I loved those musicals. And, so I got involved in the children's theatre program at the, uh, the Grand Theatre, and it, it just never yeah. stopped.
1: That's, that where your, it all, that's where it all happened. Your defining moment was then, very yeah. young, like, I'm doing this. Yeah. What impact did your acting teacher, Robert Gill, at the University of Toronto have on you?
2: Wow. Robert Gill. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a name you hear every day. Yeah. Uh, it was a summer theatre course at the Hart House uh, U- University of Toronto. I was a high school dropout. Um, I'm not proud of it, but it's it's what happened. Uh, When I was 15, I wrote... um, I saw this summer theater six-week program on a pamphlet or somewhere. I don't know where I saw it, but I I filled out the form and I lied about my age. Because you had to be, I think, at least 18 or at least 16. I don't know. Anyway, I was too young. And uh, I got accepted. Just like, and my, then I told my parents <laughs> that they, they had to fi- finance me. Um, and it wasn't, exp- I mean, I think I paid for it. It was <clears throat> not a lot of money, but uh, it, he, this man, uh, ran this summer theater course for teachers, actually, for, for, for people who, professors, and, and uh, I was the youngest person ever to be accepted at this uh, summer theater course, and, and it changed my life. I mean, I, I went to Toronto, I stayed in a dormitory, my father drove me, my, they were very worried about me, but I was so... Headstrong, so determined, and I think I was a kid. I, I look at people my age now, and I think I, I, I can't believe I did that. But it, 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 at the time, there was no question, you know, um, foolish or not. It was it was what I was going to do, and so that man
1: uh, really started me, you know, uh, on a professional track, really. That's great. You have this wonderful stage, film, and television career. So let's just chat about some of the highlights and just tell me what comes to mind, a story or a great memory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have trouble with favorites. Oh, you have, okay, You, you good tell fans. me, good, because I... <laughs> Godspell, Godspell oh. fans. Um. Playing Jesus first on stage in the legendary Toronto production. Yes. And then playing him in the film. Favorite memories. And I cast.
2: Yes, I can, I can, I have favorite memories of that, or certainly some memories. Um, um, <laughs> <clears throat> I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm so sorry about this. Um, I have to apologize to Broadway tonight. Uh, uh, the, the, the callback, final callbacks for, uh, for, for the Godspell uh, in Toronto. Um, I had been on a tour with a singing group and I had been playing just coincidentally, I'd been playing the role of Jesus in this, uh, this, obvious, this oddly... Uh, we were singing songs from Godspell, Jesus Christ Superstar, and original songs, and it was sort of the soul Jesus story. It was all that during that time. And we were, by the way, illegally doing this. We found out later. Uh, but I knew the song, Save the People, which was from Godspell, and I played it on my guitar in the show. So my callback, I obviously knew what I was going to do, you know. So I came out, and I had you know, this hair. Yeah, you did. And, and I sang this song, and, and people went insane. And my favorite story is that, and Eugene Levy, who was also, he said, and after this rather rousing response I got, he said, next, Eugene Levy. And he, he still talks about that as having to follow that. <laughs> and he does an imitation of that, of his face when he realized he was and he, you know, he got up and he got the role. But uh, it just makes me laugh to this day. But, uh, and, and, and what I remember, one of the things I remember vividly, is this, uh, this young woman, she, well, she wasn't that young, skipping across the stage singing zippity-doo-dah with, with pigtails, and it was Gilda Radner. And everybody was like, first of all, what is she doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then everyone just melted. She was, yeah. she was as adorable yeah. and as funny as anyone I've ever known. And I think the thing that I, I could say mostly about her is that she was never funnier than sitting at a table at dinner. Never funnier. She was an angel.
1: Paul Schaefer was your Paul Schaefer. musical
2: director on that, right? Paul Schaefer <laughs> was at the audition mm-hmm. for The Callbacks playing for somebody for the audition he was like you know they brought their own accompanist and they had the they had their the guy who was there for the for the everybody else and so this girl got to sing and paul sat down and started playing the piano and steven schwartz was sitting there and literally said to somebody who's that and went over and hired him to be the musical director from that from that moment he was so obviously like nobody else, yeah. You know?
1: And doing the film, because didn't you shoot like on the World Trade Center when it was going up or something yeah, we shot there? on
2: Yeah, we shot, uh, we danced on top of the World Trade Center wow. just before it was completed. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was something. Um, <laughs> it's hard to believe, it's hard to believe that we did that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it was, um, yeah, we shot all over New York. I mean, it's, the, the part of the, the great thing about that movie is it's like a New York, it's a... It's yeah. a Travelog, you know, and and it's beautiful. And because the premise of the story is that when when Jesus comes into the into the picture, New York the people disappear. It's just these band of followers. So we're all every everywhere we go, it's empty. And we shot on Saturdays and Sundays, and um and so it was really hard to do that, but uh, it was very special. Yeah.
1: The first original role you created on Broadway was that Clifford in Ira Levin's Death Trap. Original role. I think so. Yeah. Yes, I think it was. It was you, John Wood, the Mer- late Marion Seldis. I mean, great yeah. show. When Broadway did mysteries back then. Yeah. Thrillers and all.
2: Yes, well, it was, it was one of the few that worked. You know, there yeah. was, there was uh, Wait Until Dark yeah. and Death Trap. They're sort of the, the prototypes yeah. for, for stage um, mystery thrillers. It's, it was a thriller. And actually, it's um, Ira Levin wrote, Death Trap, and in, it says, a thriller in two acts. That's yeah. what it's, how it's printed. Um, that was, I was doing um, Tartuffe at the Circle in the Square with John Wood and Tammy, but they're all gone now. Yeah. It's hard to, wow. Mm. Tammy Grimes, Pat Elliott, yeah. Susie Kurtz, who fortunately is still with us, um, Miltred Dunnick. Yeah. Uh, there were all these <clears throat> amazing people. And um, John Wood, who was a daunting and brilliant man, brilliant man, actor from England, a uh, big star at the uh, RSC, was playing Tartuffe, and we had, you know, I had nothing to do with him in Tartuffe, other than, you know, he'd, and one night he, he came up to me and said, I, I, I'd like you to uh, like you to read something and tell me what you think. And I said, oh, oh okay, sure. And uh, he said, just, uh, just, I would li- I'd like your opinion, because I've been asked to do this role, and I just, just want to get your opinions as, if you think I should do this role. I mean, we didn't really have that Closer relationship, but it was you know it was a kind of com- camaraderie and and I was flattered and of course I so I went home and read the play and it, it was dazzling you know I mean it was it was really well written and and funny and perfect part for John and and it must have crossed my mind as I was reading the part of Clifford I thought gee I could play this part gee I I could do this but it, honestly I really didn't really think about it. I just came in the next day and said, John, you have to do this part. This is, this is a great role for you to do in New York. Because he'd only done Tom Stoppard, well, only. Tom Stoppard, and <laughs> um, Sherlock Holmes, and he had been, you know, he was he'd won Tonys, and he's, uh, you know, revered. And, um, and he said, really? And I said, yeah, I really think it's, it's, it's a great part. He said, he said well, would, you, uh, would you be interested in playing Clifford? And I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i yeah, I mean, let me check. Um, yeah, I think, I, I think so. And, um, <clears throat> and then he, uh, the director was Robert Moore. Yeah. <clears throat> the great, great, late yeah. Robert Moore, uh, who was also a brilliant actor. And, and, and uh, John said, um, they, they want to audition you and I'd like to read with you for the audition. Wow. So yeah. you know, I have, you know, that John Wood changed my life, you know, because he wanted me to do the role and... Yeah. Fortunately, you know, everyone went along with it.
1: I never knew that story. What a great story. Yeah, it's incredible. You've appeared in three Stephen Sondheim musicals in New York, Mm -hmm. creating the role of Anthony in the original production of Sweeney Todd, John Wilkes Booth in Assassins, and then Ben Stone in Follies at City Center. What is it like living in the songs of Stephen Sondheim?
2: Um, Like nothing else imaginable. I mean, it's uh, the the reason I'm in New York, the reason I'm sitting here... Yeah, is because of Stephen Sondheim. I wanted. I heard Anyone Can Whistle, when I was very young in Toronto. Um, uh, I was, a, a, you know, an actor. I was a musician mostly, singer and uh, like in the singing group and stuff. And I, I was obsessed with Anyone Can Whistle, and it was like a siren call. I've yeah. said this and have many times, but I, it's it's really true, that that show. I I I. That's what brought me to New York, and that was my my goal was to work with Stephen Sondheim. And I can't believe I'm here to say it happened.
1: The first time you heard the song "Joanna," Mm. which you introduced to me. Do you remember when he played that for you? God, I don't have to sing it right now. (laughs) Um, Yes,
2: I do remember because I was on the 10. No, I was on a bus on Second Avenue going to his house with my cassette tape recorder, <laughs> because he wanted me... It was the callback for the Sweeney and Todd, yeah. and he wanted me to learn the song that I would be singing. So you can imagine what that... I mean, my what, I, what I, on that, that bus ride Uh-oh. with my cassette tape... You don't even know, a lot of you don't even know what that is, a cassette tape recorder. <laughs> but, um, I, I got to his house and knocked on the door and was introduced to the, the door. The, the, the his guy who worked for him let me in and said, uh, Steve is upstairs waiting, and so I went upstairs to his office den with the, with the grand piano, and he couldn't have been more charming, and, um, and just said how much he you know was ha- so happy he was that I was there, and I thought, am I dreaming this? Is this possibly happening to me, that this is happening right now? Yeah. And um, as I say it, I can't believe it happened, but, I, but it, it did. And um, so I put t- the cassette down, the tape recorder, and on his piano and pushed play, and he hit those first chords and sang Joanna. And I learned it, because I don't read music, and so I learned it from
1: his recording. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you were hilarious in the hit film, The First Wives Club, Thank where you. you play Goldie Hawn's divorced husband, Bill. Hilarious. How much fun was that film to make? That was actually, uh, it, it was fun.
2: Because yeah. uh, uh, Goldie is, we, we, I sort of knew her uh, through mutual friends. And um, I mean, I did know her. And so I wasn't scared, yeah. you know, to uh, although I was, of course, scared because it was a big movie. And I hadn't done uh, very few movies. and um, But she was just an angel. <clears throat> and she was so supportive and helpful and willing to, you know, yeah. give
1: me, my little moments, and so it was, it was really fun. You played shipbuilder Thomas Andrews in James Cameron's Titanic. Yes, I did. Which has gone on to become one of the most successful films of all time. At what point during the process did you realize that would be a big film?
2: It wasn't until I saw the screening for the, the first time. I had no idea. No, none of us did. Um, I think James did. James yeah. Cameron had this phenomenal, Belief and confidence in the project—that, well, of course he had to. But um, we were—we were all just like—it was—it was a really difficult shoot, and a lot of night, mostly night shooting, which is like my idea of hell. <laughs> and um, you know, you—you—you you, you, you go to bed at, you know, seven in the morning, and then get up at five to go to work. Wow. It's not how I operate. <laughs> um, and so it was difficult, and but the the camaraderie of the, the act, actors and the situation helped everyone get through it. It was very um you know it was a long time. I was down in Rosarita, Mexico, five and a half months, I think wow. and uh, but I, I do have to say uh, I, 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 I loved working with him he He's everything everyone says, and he's also really a really good director he, he completely guided me every step. I mean, I think that role, he identified with that role so much that he, you know, I think he wanted to play that role yeah. in a way. <clears throat> and uh, he guided me um, in those, those very specific scenes about talking about the way the ship worked and everything. He just guided me every step.
1: And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for him too. Yeah. For that. How much fun did you have playing Professor Callahan in the hit film *Legally Blonde*? Oh, <laughs> oh that was uh, that was fun. Um,
2: well, you know, movies, you know, they're they're it's hard work. People, you know, it's rarely do you say, "Oh, well, that was a fun day." Yeah. it's like you know, that was exhausting, and I hope it worked. Um, but um, it, it was a great part for me. And Reese, again, you know, it depends on who you're in the room with. But she's, you know, she's amazing. She was so young at that time, and, uh, and so uh, on top of it, you know, she just had a comedic gift, has a comedic gift that, that was apparent, and, and, uh, uh, she, and she was lovely, charming, and so the whole thing, uh, and I, I mean, it's become sort
1: of this cult movie, too. Yeah. It's crazy. You co-starred opposite Sean Penn in Milk for director Gus Van Zandt. Yep. Yeah, Playing San Francisco mayor, is it George Moscone? Moscone. Moscone, the Italian. Mm-hmm. How important was being in that film for you?
2: Um, very important. It was um, a story that had to be told, and I, Bruce Cohn and Dan Jinks yeah. uh, produced it, and they're remarkable. Both they, they, they work mostly separately now, but they both are still working a lot and doing very um, important work. And when I say important, I mean it's a story that hadn't been really... I mean, I thought Sean Payne brought him to life in a way that was uh, remarkable. And yeah. uh, everybody, uh, I, I, I loved that experience, loved it. And, uh, yeah, I'm very proud to be a part of that. Yeah.
1: On film, you played Ken Taylor, Canadian ambassador to I'm Iran. I'm exhausted. I know. <laughs> in director wow. Ben Affleck's Argo, what was Ben like as a director? <laughs> oh. uh Ben was, rem- was <laughs> great. great as a director.
2: He, he, i only really worked roughly i think a, a week or two weeks in l a and then a, a week in Istanbul where we shot the, the those the the, the, the scenes uh, but the 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 um I, I just first of all he wrote it, yeah, starred in it and directed it and I had done a, a, a smaller uh, just a cameo thing in the town with him, um which I thought was an exceptionally good movie. And then Argo turned out to be, obviously, what it turned out to be. So, uh, but the, the day-to-day experience was, was great. He was uh, right on point and um, just had such a vision for that film. Yeah. And he's one of the smartest people I know. Yeah. So it, it was, it was I, 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 I actually loved that experience.
1: You are known to millions of fans around the world for your work on such iconic television shows, including Alias. Alias fans here? As Jack Bristow for half a decade opposite Jennifer Garner. How did Alias change your life and career? Oh, boy.
2: J.J. Um, Abrams, who I'm sure you all have heard of yeah. and don't know, uh, he um, saw something in me that I'm still to this day uh, amazed that he saw. But it worked, and uh, I, I wouldn't—I would never have thought that I'd be cast in that role. I was living in New York. I—I I, I met him over Skype. You know, in, in those days it wasn't quite as efficient as it is now. At a round table at ABC, and um, you know, I, I think I read for the role there that day. And the next thing I knew, I was being flown out to test for the role, and that I got the role, and. Um, I, you know I've mostly done theater and some t- TV but this was like a, the, be- the first time I was really living in California for the first time and starring in a, a series and uh so that alone was a life changer then uh what alias became uh in terms of the uh, the fan response and the, and uh and 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 also it changed television in a lot of ways it was the, one of the first ones of its first type of thing of that kind. And so uh it changed everything for me. I mean, I was suddenly, you know, and I was I, I got an Emmy nomination which was uh, shocking and and so I was suddenly in the world of television in Hollywood. And so uh I, I I I I I I took advantage of it and loved being there and and working with Jennifer, you know, was um we're we're very close and remain very close. And Ron Rifkin, who was another, you know, out of a fish out of water. The two yeah. of us were like, "What are we doing in the show?" <laughs> you know, <clears throat> and uh, but we, we still laugh about it, and yeah. we, we love and we
1: love gathering together. It's yeah. great. Speak of Emmy Awards, you were nominated for your performance of Sid Luft in Life with Judy Garland, Me and My Shadows, Me and My Shadow. If you haven't seen this, he, Judy Davis. Tammy Blanchard, what a beautiful television movie. What a great was, movie. It was,
2: yeah, it was great. Bob Ackerman yeah. uh, directed it, and uh, Neil Maron and Craig Zayden, yeah. who produced all these great things in the last several years. Uh, was one of their first things, and, uh, and Judy Davis. I mean, yeah. I, I got to work with Judy Davis. That's like, a, wow, I can't even believe I did that. But um, it, was, it was, I know I'm sounding, sounding like I loved everything I did, yeah. and I didn't. There, there are aspects of all these things that were horrifying. But the reality is, you know, I, I can look back at it now and say even, even the difficulties were opportunities for my growth and my development, and so I, I'm grateful for all of it. But, but that pr- project was, was really hard and really gratifying.
1: And, it was and, shot very fast, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Unlike Titanic, it was yeah. shot yeah. very fast. Yeah. And she's brilliant to work with, Judy Davis, right? Yeah, and, and, and
2: so much fun. Like, she's, yeah. she's, she's
1: really hilarious and, and fun to be with. And uh, yeah, I loved it. You have this new generation of fans because of your work on The Flash and, of course, Legends of Tomorrow as Dr. Martin Stein. Was this a type of role on your radar? And how did it come about? First of all, so not on my radar. <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't even know where my radar is, but it wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, this came out of um, uh, the proverbial blue. Yeah. Uh, Greg Berlanti, who <clears throat> is Berlanti, he's like a now, he runs the world. Yeah. He um, uh, does all of those shows in, 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 on, on CW. Um, and he's a wonderfully talented writer, director, and friend. And, said you know I'm, I'm i'm doing this show the flash and in vancouver and we'd love you to play martin stein for a few episodes on the flash and uh, and he told me the story and i thought well that's at first i've you know i thought what's left for me to do that I'm nothing i've never done anything like this so i agreed to do it and robbie Ml played my other half who you know who i'd worked with who i loved and and so i went to vancouver and did three episodes of the flash and then the next thing i know they're Doing a, a, a series, and you know they want and we to carry on yeah. that role in Legends of Tomorrow, and I thought that was a big decision because that was a, you know really moving to Vancouver for you know a long time, and 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 I thought, well, first of all, you know, it's it, at my age to get a, a a money job like that is is so rare, you know, and I needed to do that to to cover my. Extravagant tastes, and um, <laughs> um, and so so I I uh, so I, I said yes, uh, but but really it was because partially it was definitely partially for the financial reasons, but but also because w- when would this ever happen? Yeah, you know when am I ever going to be in this world? So I did it, and uh, I had a great time, and then I after two seasons, um, I thought, okay, I think. I have to go now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I, I was allowed to leave and um, I'm very grateful that that was
1: part of the deal. And and then here I am. Hello, Dolly. Hello, Dolly. Because you did that four-part show, wasn't it? It was, it was the Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, yeah. and Legends of Tomorrow. They call it crossovers. <laughs> crossovers. <and> le-
2: <laughs> That's one word for it. It's like... A descent into the unknown, something. It's really difficult. And by the way, the best part about it was being with those other casts. Yeah. In, you know, suddenly you're, I mean, everybody. I mean, Jesse Martin and Grant Gustin and all those people that I worked with <laughs> and, and uh, 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 Melissa. Uh, uh, they were just great, great people. And so that was fun. That was part, of, I mean, a lot of it was fun. You mentioned um, Tom Stoppard.
1: Arcadia, directed Mm. by Trevor Dunn. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. What was I doing in that? (laughs) Can't believe I did that. How challenging is Tom Stoppard to do? The most.
2: I mean, there's there's Shakespeare and there's Stoppard, you know? And Stoppard is more difficult. I mean, it's just, he's just, it's just... And the rewards of doing it are just unparalleled because when you really finally get it into your body and what, what you're doing and what you're saying, which took me a long time because I'm not as smart as most people I know. It, it just took me a long time, but I, I, I worship
1: him. Yeah. <clears throat> All the actors who I've spoken to have done, some people say stop some say stop hard, stop. I've always known it as Tom Stoppard. Tom Stoppard. That's how I've known it, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. But every, and I've had dinner with him, so yeah. I've, I'm right. <laughs> All these actors feel so much smarter once they've done one of his shows. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Great thing about Tom Stoppard is
2: is um is you. Uh, I was so intimidated, and then you, you meet him. Yeah, it's like he's the most adorable, yeah. easy person, funny. Yeah. you you don't feel. I remember I was in 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 England with Deborah Monk, my darling friend, who's yeah. a great great actress and. And she's one of my close friends, and we were, doing, we were there doing... I don't know what we were doing, but we were there. <laughs> and and, and I, I had the nerve to call Tom, because in those days, we were more in communication than we are now. But yeah. he said, oh, come over for tea or something. And I said, oh, I'm with my friend. Oh, bring her. I'd love to meet her. And I said, Deborah, we're going to Tom. I can't go. <laughs> I, I, what am I, I going to say? And of course, you know, dragged yeah. her. And she, she was smitten,
1: <laughs> like everyone. Everybody's afraid to meet him until they meet him. Oh, God, it's the dream. You did art, one of my favorite plays, with Alan Alden and Alfred Molina. Well, the three too. of you. I mean, what was that experience like? You and I spoke during this, but working with those men together.
2: You know, that is uh, one of the great ones of yeah. my life for me. And it was uh, from the day we started to the day we finished. And, uh, you know, to be in a new play... Um, a, a great new play. I thought it was one of the best new plays. Uh, I think it won the Tony for best new play that year. Yeah. Uh, with two people that I didn't really... I knew Fred Molina, or Alfred Molina. Yeah. I knew him slightly through friends, but Alan I'd never met. And uh, again, I was intimidated to meet Alan Alda, because, who, you know, it's like, Alan Alda? Yeah. And uh, from the first day we all were together, it was like we were... The, the whole play was about being best friends and Alan was like determined that we would spend time together and I'm like oh really I mean is that really I'm like so I, we don't have to do that we're, just, we're, we're actors that's, what, that's why they call it acting <laughs> then cut to when are we having dinner again <laughs> <laughs> well I can't well what about this weekend are we going to see each other <laughs> he, he was yeah. so and I think that's why that <clears throat> production worked so well because Alan and that was Alan's uh, he initiated all of that and we would go out to his house on Long Island and spend, you know, su- Sunday nights and Mondays out there, and his wife, Arlene, is, yeah. is who's part of the all-day experience, she's a very important part of it. Um, and I just actually uh, did a video, on, he's being honored again for something, um, at this project, uh, Iron, what's it called, it's a really important uh, improv group that, that works with policemen and, um, what's it called? Irondale. Uh, Irondale, yes. yes, you know about that. that it's an amazing group, um, uh, and uh, he's being honored to, like, any minute. And um, I'm not supposed to... He, he doesn't know I'm doing this, so I shouldn't talk about it. It's all good.
0: <laughs> I'm sure
2: it'll happen before this. Anyways, <laughs> totally, season. exactly. Anyway, but he's, uh, he's one of those people that yeah. never stops. He never
1: stops doing things for, for the Other world. For people, yeah. yeah. But you could just tell, speaking to three of you, the, all three of you during that process, you knew that you were all very, very close. And yeah. that was such a unique experience. It wasn't, it wasn't phony at all. Yeah. There was no artifice about it. And I just love the concept of that play about that white canvas.
2: It's about friendship. It's yeah. about what yeah. happens when you have a, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's what happens at political de- discussions now yeah. at dinner, when you, when you are diametrically opposed and people break up. Yeah. And that's what happens in this play. And you really examine what's more important, you know, and uh, it's interesting what,
1: what arises. Great play. Great play. You were sensational as Gary Essendine in Noel Coward's present laughter. Mm-hmm. What were the Great challenges character. of that role? Because that's a tough role. Coward yeah. in that role, you're never off. Yeah. It, well, it's a tough
2: role because, um, for many reasons, but uh, also because I have such uh, respect and um, love for Noel Coward and, and for this play. And it was um, the, the last play I did with my friend Nicholas Martin who was the, sort of my my go-to director friend, who sort of basically told me what to do. Yeah. He'd say, you've got to do this play. He told me to do Macbeth. I said, okay. He told me to do Present Laughter. I said, okay. And he basically, I, I, I never knew. I would wait to see what he said I should do next. And he's gone now, so I have no idea what I'm gonna do next. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I loved that pro- play so much. And uh, it, it was, uh, it, it just, I felt completely at home in that world, probably a little too much at home in a dressing gown being waited on. Um, but I, 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 loved it.
1: Yeah, I loved it. Everything you do is different. How do you choose a project? Nicky Martin. Nicky Martin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting for his voice from. Um,
2: <laughs> you know, uh, I, I've never. I've never had an idea of what I was going to do next. I'm, I'm, I mean it. It's like this one came out of the blue. But I know, when it, I know when it comes. It's really about the material. And I've always wanted to be an actor who did different things. And I was so, I'm so grateful that I've been able to do that. And that I could sing, but that I wasn't just known as a Broadway singer. Yeah. I, I could do all the, these, these different things because that, to me, was what... That was always my goal, just to do different things. Um, and so, uh, I just wait till something, so I pick up something that someone's interested in me doing and I read it and I think, oh, this is well, this is it. Because I know when I read it.
1: You know, you're so natural on stage and you're just as natural on film and television, but I know the mediums are all different. Do you change your performance? Does it have to change a lot between stage and film and TV?
2: No, I don't, I, you know, it's hard to, that's a, a an interesting question because it's like to me it all has to come from the same place so that it, you know you, if you don't have a sense of truth um, in any of those things it's not going to work so so when you when the camera's right here it's the same it's the same requirement except it's just intimate more intimate you know it's just a, so that I would be talking like this instead of like this but it's the same, it, it's the same um, muscles, the same, uh, it's just, it's just. a, it's a technical difference. Yeah. But yes, I, I feel, for me, that's, it's It's really about listening and responding. So, I, I most, I mean, in Dolly particularly, because Dolly is all a, I mean, Vandergelder Gelder thinks he's a, he's a man in charge, and in fact, Everything he does is manipulated by Dolly Levi, everything, mm-hmm. from the minute, you know, mm-hmm. the minute it starts. And that, so if, if, I, if I don't really hear what she's saying to me in that moment and respond in that moment, it's gonna be fake. And that's the challenge of uh, acting for me. Yeah. And I love that.
1: Because I've spoken to a lot of stars here, and we talked about, Starting out on the stage and then going to your first TV show or your first film, and they say the camera was very daunting to them because the directors would say less, 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 less. Yeah. Do less. Yeah. And they're like, I'm not doing anything, and they're like, but then you watch the <laughs> playback, and you're like, wow, I'm doing much more than I thought I was doing.
2: Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, of course, that that first time, yeah. like it, with anything, is is scary. But for me, I loved loved. Going in front of the camera, it just—it just—I love the intimacy of it, and I love the—the the, that you that it caught everything. So, so for me, it, all I had to do was think, and it's true of stage too. I, you, if you just you just think, um, and you, if you're connected to that, it, it will it will read as as truthful, and that's always my goal. Uh, sometimes I achieve it, sometimes I don't, but. You always
1: achieve it. Oh, well. You always achieve it. You had to say that, Richard. Well, no, Thank I you. did No, but you all know that, right? <clears throat> <clears throat> you have this new fan base because they know you as a DC Comics superhero. And they'll be coming to the theater. Yes. They'll be coming to the theater for the very first time mm-hmm. because they know you from these projects. And you'll introduce them to this whole new world. I mean, I remember the first time I went, I saw a television star in a show. And I didn't know what live theater was. And it changed just changed everything for me. Yes. What that means to you from these new fans that may know you from TV or film that are gonna to come to the theater for the first time. It means everything to me. It means everything to me. I mean, I, I,
2: that is, um, for me, that uh, first of all, you know, it, it all, what it also means is that I go to these signings, you know, where you, yeah. now, I never imagined myself doing that. But again, the money. No, um, it's, um, <laughs> Well, everybody knows that. I mean, everybody goes, it's like, why would you go and spend, you know, 12 hours? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Yeah, signing your name. But, you know, but here's the, what happened to me yeah. the first time I went, which really shocked me was that I was so humbled yeah. by these people that it, I really felt how much it meant to them. Yeah. And I thought, this is no joke. This is, this is, you know, they're spending way too much money to get my autograph. And a picture and to meet me and to, to get a selfie or to get whatever it is but i was so uh i just find that i found it so moving and also it because it, you know in, in, in on the stage obviously the response is immediate and you know that people are either liking it or not but when you do a tv show you don't you have that you, you, but when you go to these conventions there are people that line up to to get your signature and you have that one-on-one and you realize wow this this really affected this person and this family and this whatever this is. And, you know, and that's very, for me, um, humbling and, and meaningful. So, as it is for when my, my, my nieces bring their, their children, my god nieces, and they're eight, five and eight, and they come to see Hello Dolly, and they,
1: they are just,
2: mm-hmm. I think, well, what could be better than that?
1: But you and I talked about that upstairs, yeah. the youngins, the yeah. young children that come to your theater and are mesmerized by this art form.
2: Yeah. I mean, what a, what a, what a gift. Yeah. And that's why there will always be theater, because it, when, when people are affected by that, they come back. And, uh, and Hello, Dolly! Is, is the perfect thing to bring a young kid to, because yeah. it's just so, it's so uh,
1: on, on every level, there's so much going on. We have to mention your charity work for oh. Type 1 Diabetes. Yes. Great organization. Oh, because I am a Type yeah. 1 diabetic. Yep,
2: yeah. I am a Type 1 diabetic, and I live with this disease, and it's really challenging, and I'm very grateful that I'm still here and can, can talk about it. But for young people, uh, if you if you, if you anybody who's watching who is dealing with it, either with a child or a relative or themselves, it's called Beyond Type 1, and it's... Uh, it, we need money. We need support, and uh, so anybody who can s- help out uh, would, be, would be grateful. But it's a great organization.
1: So they can just go on the web and find
2: beyond yeah beyond type type one, um, and it will come up, and you'll you can read about it, and you can also read about what's happening in research, and uh, and also for it's all now it become international. So all these kids who are who are having you know can't get insulin. I mean, when I was yeah. a kid, you know, uh, there are people, kids dying because they're not being diagnosed with type one diabetes. It's a very very serious disease and insulin i have had it since i was 12 and uh i've lived with it and i'm now sev- 69 <laughs> uh, i almost said 70 and i thought no not yet not yet but but you know I'm, I'm very uh fortunate that i've had been able to to you know get here
1: it's a great organization yeah nick jonas is a part of this yes. too right yeah
2: he's a un with, yeah. with type one and
1: uh he's remarkable And he's a part of the uh board too well, thank you for doing that for no, thank, Beyond Thank you one. for bringing it up. We have a few questions from the audience. Um, I have a question from Mike. <clears throat> um, was John Wilkes Booth a difficult character to embody? And what type of research did you do to become such an infamous man?
2: Oh, where's Mike? Oh, there you are. Hi. Right there. You could have asked it right from there. <laughs> um, uh, John okay. Wilkes Booth was, yes, very challenging because, um, you know, he's considered a villain, of course. And I had to find his humanity in some way. But fortunately, Stephen Sondheim wrote the lyrics. So, and John Weidman wrote the book. So there was, he was like all people who do bad things, somewhere they believe they're doing the best thing. And that's a very tricky thing, but it's also what I love playing. I love, I love that challenge and to humanize him and not to make, not to—it's not for sympathy as much as, as just getting a broader understanding of who he was. But really, uh, the research—I mean, I—you I, know—I'm not a big research guy because so much because uh, everything is dependent on what's in the play. So a lot of research will ha- will just say, but he wouldn't have done that because so that's not going to help you. Yeah. So um, so I I tend to, of course, I look at things and I. Pick up things, but it's really all in the writing. And then if I'm then if I want something else, I can go look up why, what, where would he have been at that time, and all of that. But it, for me, it's it's all in the material, and Stephen Sondheim gives it to you in spades. Yeah.
1: So you can unlock something in a Stephen Sondheim show right away—a character. Well, you can start
2: with 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 just you know the lyrics. Yeah. You know, I mean. In, I played Ben in, in Follies, and, you know, the road I didn't take just says it all.
1: There's a question from Frank. Where's Frank? Hey, Frank. Were there any crazy mishaps during the original run of Lend Me a Tenor? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> yes.
2: Um, yes. I mean, uh, I, I, those of you who don't know the show, uh, it's a, it's, it's, I, I play this young... Uh, assistant who who, who because uh, who is trying to keep this tenor sober, and as <laughs> and, and but of course he doesn't work, and so I, he then he has to I have to impersonate this guy, in, uh, playing Othello yeah. on, uh, in a performance, oh. and you know, thank you Ken Ludwig, you know thank you, <laughs> but really it's impossible, but, but we did it, and um, and um, I just remember uh, the first preview in Baltimore and where, I, where the quick change is like, I'm going to say it had to be like 40, 45 seconds or something. Or I could be exaggerating, but I don't think I am. And it was like a massive you know, makeup, hair, you know, just everything uh, to become Othello in, in the full garb, and then sing, <laughs> which I had to do. Uh, and I remember at the first preview, I went at intermission, I went back to my room, my dressing room, and started crying, because I thought, I can't do this every day. How can I, how can I do it? it was so scary and exhausting. And then, like everything, you know, you find it, and suddenly, and then it becomes like a routine. Uh, and, uh, but there were many. You know, Phil, Phil Bosco, who is my dear friend and great one of the great, I've done, worked three plays with him. Um, and he always won the Tony, um, and he—he's—and uh, deservedly, he's just the greatest actor ever. Uh, he would just sometimes get confused and start mumbling things, and I never knew what was going to come out of his mouth. And some—and it was hilarious. And sometimes we just kind of somehow got through it. But uh, there were there were many, many, many things I can't think any of specific moments, but it was overall just a, a lunacy ride. It was just a. Yeah. That's great. But fun, though. Fun. And people, God knows it was uh,
1: uh, fun for audiences. Great show. This has no name on it, but so this question uh, is, aha. <laughs> what has been your favorite role so far and why? And what is the role that was the most challenging that you learned the most from?
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I, like I say, I, I, I have trouble with favorite roles. Yeah. Because I don't, every role has had, an impact I mean I can say that doing art which I talked about earlier playing that role was um, just one of my favorite experiences because so much of playing a role has to do with the experience um, of when you're doing it so I, I've learned I've learned from everything I've ever done I've learned all I've learned from doing this today. I've learned, I, I, every day to me is about learning something and, and I, I mostly about my own response to things. And acting is a great um, indulgent way of really observing how I react to things. And so my goal in life is l- learning to be more accepting, uh, allow things to be the way they are and that's what you have to do in as a character in a, in a play and, 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 and as an actor in this business so I, I honestly um, I'm still learning and I will till you know I croak um, so I don't have I can't I mean I learn everything I've learned I mean probably playing Macbeth was the most daunting role I've ever played and I remember thinking the one thing I learned from that was that I could do it. I, I, it may not have been good. I don't think it was terrible, but it wasn't that good. But, but learning that I could do it was, gave me a different, uh, an air of confidence that I didn't have before that. And every role, hopefully, can, can do, can help me you know, on that path. Beautiful. Did I answer any of that? Who asked that question? First of all, get out.
1: <laughs> Seriously, who was it? Very, very fabulous. Where are you? There you are. Okay. Was a Did I answer that at all? Yes, all right, good. You know, we have a lot of actors in this room at, at many different facets of their career. Some like to audition. Some are good at auditioning. Some aren't good at auditioning. Were you always good at auditioning? And what is the secret to a good audition?
2: No, I don't think I was... I, I, I'm not sure I'd be good now, auditioning. Um, um, auditioning, to me, is all about preparation. It's, 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 you, have to, you have to work much harder than you think to be... Because you have to remember that the nerves aspect can derail you at any moment. So it ha- there has to be a, um, you know, a technical... Understanding it has to be a a, a, men, a mental uh, understanding, and I think I think it's just preparation. I mean, I I I, I work really hard. Uh, the last I can't remember the last audition I did because it was a long time ago. Because I fortunately haven't had to, but sometimes I will have to go on tape for things. That happens because I'm, I'm you know it's in California or anything. and and that is. I mean, but the good thing about that is you can go over and over and over and do it till you feel comfortable and that you've done it. But to walk into a room, there's nothing harder. <clears throat> <than> to, <clears throat> But it's, it's, the more preparation you have, the more co- that gives you more confidence. And I believe that confidence is a large part of how people get roles. Just knowing and being comfortable. You have to be comfortable in, the, in, in your skin and in that role. So how, whatever that takes. Um, you have to figure that out yourself.
1: Beautiful advice. From Jean Marie, what was your first professional job and what did that mean to you? Oh, God.
2: Can I remember that part <laughs> My first professional job, I mean, you know, listen, I, 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 I used to be a folk singer and that, you know, those were a job, but I, I think my first acting job, professional, when I think about it, um, uh, what was it? I think it was a PBS, um, PBS um, historical drama, or something way back when, when Channel 13 used to really spend money and do these great historical dramas. Um, I, I, I learned that it was much harder than I thought it would be, that it wasn't as much fun as I thought it would be, and that I had, I better, I better just really get serious about this and realize that it's, uh, it's, um, you can't. It's as Betty Davis said, it's not for sissies. You know, it's, yeah. it's really, you really have to, you really have to love it and want to do it.
1: Beautiful. If you could sum up the best part of the experience of being back on Broadway and Hello Dolly, what is it for you? I think it's,
2: um, it's the awareness. That this is what I was meant to do. The, that was very apparent to me, as I said in the rehearsal. And then when I finally found, when I was finally, because I, I was really scared those first few previews. I was panicking. I was like, I was so nervous. And uh, so I, I, when I think back to the number of my friends who came to like the first week of preview, I think, like, why? Which is (laughs) you come, and why would I allow you to come? But you know, you do, and then you have to let it go because you know they're not coming back. Um, (laughs) um, And but it's 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 um, just 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 there's not. I'm so grateful to have been able to have this life to fulfill what I really wanted to fulfill, um, and still doing it, and um, um, and that's been the greatest thing about doing Hello, Dolly. I mean, I feel like, it, it, I feel like it's a, been a gift for me from everyone that, that was, came together to offer me
1: this role. Yeah. My final question is, what is the best bit of advice that you've been given, either personally or professionally, that you live by?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> That's hard, you know. I mean, it's kind of what I try to do every day, which is to, you know, you have to give up control. <laughs> you can't control anything except your own responses to things. You Can't control anyone, you can't fix anyone, you can't make something happen. All you can do is just trust yourself and let it go and 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 don't uh, and learn from the experience every opportunity is an experience that's my lesson
1: that's great advice <clears throat> this has been an absolute masterclass i have known you for a long time everybody takes things away from oh, maybe me maybe i should I charge think.
0: for this <laughs>
1: <laughs> this has been wonderful I thank you for taking the time no oh, please
2: out of- uh, the joy it's always great to talk to you and and, yeah. and to have such intelligent People in questions, because believe me, they're not always things I can even begin to answer. And, and so,
1: thank you for coming,
2: and thank you for taking the time to do this.
1: I appreciate it. You are brilliant at what you do. Go see him at Hello Dolly, ladies and gentlemen, Victor Garber. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the SAG-AFTRA Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation, and reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at sag After Found. We'd love to hear from you.